0: Thank you for listening to Podcast West Seattle. I'm your host, Andrew. We're listening to Stetson, performing at the Skylark's open mic. Yeah,
1: gonna quit me, baby,
0: The Skylark hosts Seattle's best open mic each and every Wednesday night. If you like what you hear from Stetson, he'll be performing live at Republic on Westlake on December 7th as part of their winter warmer show. On this episode of Podcast West Seattle, we sit down at the Great American Diner. The people of West Seattle, you know, the people are so family-oriented. It's, this is almost a small-town feel to it. We also listen in on postcards from voters.
2: Um, right now, we're actually writing for a vote-by-mail campaign in Florida.
0: And hear a little about the current Arts West production,
3: Head Over Heels. So, well, I don't know anything by the Go-Go's, and he's like, trust me, just go. And then I went to go see the show, and I knew every single song.
0: This is Podcast West Seattle. you quit me, babe. Before we get to Great American Diner, I wanted to offer a few words to loyal listeners about the current state of Podcast West Seattle. You likely have noticed that this is the first episode after a lengthy hiatus, and it seems appropriate to offer an explanation. I started Podcast West Seattle with the intent of learning how to tell audio stories. I've never done ads or asked for any kind of money because this podcast was always intended to be my learning podcast. I'm happy with that decision. The downside is that as I've begun working on audio production for pay, the time and energy devoted to Podcast West Seattle has decreased and resulted in fewer episodes. So my message to you, loyal listener, is be patient and have faith. There are many more stories to be told about West Seattle in the podcast medium and I will tell them as time permits. It just may not be in the monthly installments as I'd originally imagined. In the meantime, if you're interested in checking out some of the other podcasts I've been working with and on. Here they are. The top of the list is KUOW's Radioactive Youth Media Podcast. If you do not already subscribe to this one, I strongly recommend it. It features compelling, well-produced radio segments and podcasts from high school students from the Puget Sound region. It's great radio from the type of voices we don't get to hear from enough. It's available wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting KUOW.org. Check it out. I've also been producing Beyond the Tree Tower stories from Decatur County, Indiana for the Decatur County Tourism Commission, available wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, I recently launched What Are You Reading? Real People and the Real Books They've Really Read. Each episode features under 10 minutes of conversation about a book that the guest recently finished. Also available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, let's get back to that West Seattle content. How's
1: the the family? Family good? We missed you guys. We haven't
0: seen you in a bit. If you've visited the Great American Diner at the South End of the Junction, you've almost definitely seen co-owner Glenn Quadros making the round. Uh,
1: so, are they going to stay here or are they going to... Yeah. Uh, I try as much as possible uh, to make it more personal a personal touch. I try to go to every table and uh, you know, strike up a relationship with my customers. And, mm-hmm. They kind of try to remember their kids' names and their likes, their dislikes.
0: This personal touch is just one of many ways Great American Diner is turning one of West Seattle's most difficult restaurant corners into an indispensable community resource. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. The first step in talking about a restaurant is talking about the food, and Great American Diner has a lot of it.
1: Oh, the burgers, all our burgers are handmade. The meats are certified angles. Burgers. And of course, pizza is also handmade. Dough made every day. Probably the chicken fried steak, uh, biggest seller. People love that. It's that substantial from, it's from a local bakery called Macrina's. Uh, fresh baked every day. They deliver the bread at five. O'clock. The blackened salmon with Caesar in summer is a huge seller. You know, the oh, salmon salad. Ten o'clock at night you feel like a, a waffle, you know. Uh, so we make it. Uh, or if you... And the menu is open to change. Uh, meat, uh, meatloaf. Uh, I do get requests for that, but then the menu is already a huge menu, you know, we can't add that. So probably in the next menu I may knock off one or two items and then add meatloaf Mm -hmm. to it.
0: Even though it's located at the junction, the location presents challenges that previous restaurants at this location have not been able to overcome. But I
1: didn't know the depth of uh, the number of failures that took place here. I didn't know. I knew a few had come and gone, but I, I took it as a challenge. But now when I realize, there is a reason why things don't work out in a certain spot, you know. So, I felt that, again, it goes down to the parking. Most of the parking is up the street, you know. So when they park and come across, a lot of the restaurants there, they, you know, the the customers move in there. They don't come all the way down here. So we're kind of in a no man's land, the corner, you know. It's 4,600 square feet. So this wasn't designed for a restaurant. So this was actually a furniture store, which was um, many, many years ago. So the person who designed it actually didn't design it with a restaurant in mind. He designed it. Today, if it was done, they could have divided this into three restaurants because of, you know, uh, proper planning. and.
0: But Great American Diner feels like more than just a restaurant. I didn't
1: spend a lot of uh, time with my dad. He passed a few years ago, so I wanted to kind of give back. To, you know this this old traditional notions of family time you know sitting together which I find as law lo- is lost
0: to get a sense of how Glenn was able to create such a feeling I wanted to hear a little of his backstory uh,
1: my dad pushed me to engineering I tried that I hated it and then uh, um, kind of uh, a year and a half later I moved towards the hotel uh, line joined a five-star hotel got trained
0: Then he and his wife decided to make the most of an opportunity.
1: Well, I saw an ad in the newspaper, uh, a local newspaper, that they were hiring servers on board this uh, big uh, cruise liner, 2,500 passenger cruise liner, then one of the biggest ships around. Uh, I just, on a whim, my wife used to work for a company that had a head office in England. So through her, I mailed uh, all my whole, she did most of the work, of course. And I was called for an interview, got the job. Yeah, massive culture shock, massive. So we joined uh, in Hamburg, in Germany, so we joined the ship like 15 days before it was launched and the ship was a mess. You know, wires hanging up and you could hear German on the tannoy, you know, them each engineer talking to the other. And even till the day of the launch, the Queen was supposed to come and launch the ship. The day before, that night before, the ship was in shambles in the sense, wires, you know how it is an under construction place. So we went to bed really worried what's gonna happen. But the next morning when we got up, spick and span. Everything screwed into place, everything was perfect. Then the queen comes and uh, we all salute, we all stand around the decks of the ship, you know, and then she comes, she breaks the champagne and, and in her beautiful voice said, I do declare the ship and all those who sail in her and you know, Godspeed and all those things. And it was a good career for, within a year I was promoted to manager we had a huge restaurant of 700 plus people in two sittings you know it was a challenge serving that many people so i was uh, that's how i learned how to serve big ma- masses of people you know so we did a couple of world cruises every year we did a world cruise and then every other year we did it anti clockwise you know around circumnavigated the other side of the globe
0: eventually they decided on the stability of life on land so they came to the that's, us
1: so she was getting a position at microsoft and uh, I could tag along as the spouse, you know, as the house husband. We came to New Jersey first. Yeah, I, I was uh, managing two or three restaurants. We had three restaurants, a friend had them, so I was managing those restaurants for him. And then from there we, 9-11 happened, and she worked in the city. So she used to travel by bus every day. Mm-hmm. She was in a bus, uh, crossing the bridge into the city and they could see the towers, you know. They, she actually saw the second plane hit the building. We had no cell phones and it, it was a, a nightmare 24 hours, you know, so she, the bus stopped there, they had to get off. This I came to know later. And I was stuck in New Jersey. I had no way of contacting her and every uh, TV, you know, was, was replaying this. Uh, truly a nightmare. She never recovered from it in, in a way, you know, so she said, "Let's." go away as far as possible and we chose the the other end of the country and always had this bug to open my own place you know then when I came you know somebody told me that this place was available so I came over here and but uh, the people here are completely different the people of West Seattle you know the people are so family oriented it's there's just almost a small town feel to it here so a lot of this I'm trying to make this restaurant not as a profit point, not as a business point, you know. To a certain extent, I have to pay bills, I have a mortgage, and I have kids. So that's basically a lot lot, lot of it I want to, you know, try to give back as much as possible into the society.
0: No story better illustrates this than when I asked Glenn what his best day at the restaurant has been so far. Oh, Christmas, without any doubt.
1: Uh, Christmas Day, the day prior to that, I'd worked 18 hours, an 18-hour shift. So on Christmas day, my daughter and my son were, you know, very adamant. They said, Daddy, you're spending all your time there. You need to come home for dinner with us. So I said, yes, you know, I, said, I thought I was thinking of closing this restaurant at about six ish. So as the day, you know, grew forward, a lot of the restaurants closed four o'clock onwards. Some of them didn't even open. and they start. So we were getting calls after calls after calls. And I was getting them in. And the staff in the kitchen also, most of them are Christian you know, they wanted to go home and... So I was telling him, yeah, we'll close in half an hour. We'll close in 45 minutes. So at around six 6:30 or something, I get this call from this lady, and the restaurant is full. People are still streaming in, and um, I had even done a sign to put on the door: "We are closed. Merry Christmas. We are closed for the evening. We'd like our staff to spend time with their families." So I get this call at about 6:30 at night, and she, this lady, asks me, "Are you open?" I said. I, I didn't know what you know. I said, "Yes, yes, we are open." I thought, "Okay, the last one." I, you know, and then on the other end, I could hear like kind of sobs, like you know, yeah, her voice breaking up as she was. I said, "What happened? Is, that, is everything okay?" She said, uh, "She said uh, she said she was blind. She can't see. She was using the app to." She said, "I dialed at least 20 restaurants, and everybody was closed or no answer. You're the only one who is open." She said, you know, and she said, "I'm all alone at home." I didn't fancy having a cold meal, uh, you know, I, I just felt like having some turkey or some uh, something, you know, Christmas-related. So I took her address. I said, okay, we'll, I'll figure out something. I, I can't promise you, but I'll figure out something. As it is, I was short-staffed. As it is, the restaurant was full. I was wondering what to do, like, you know. So quickly, we whipped up a, a turkey dinner and, you know, with all the fixings and gravy and stuff. So I called one, got one of my customers, I said, please do me a favor, this is the address, I need this delivered, don't ask me any questions because I'm really busy right now, you know, it was just an automatic, I didn't even think about it, you know, anyway, they said, yeah, yeah, sure, why not, I said, next time you come in a drink on us for you, so, and I forgot about it, but then I went back to the kitchen, I said, man, I told the guys, hey, I'm going to give you a bonus, each of you a little bit, you know, whatever I can afford, we need to keep this open. You know, we have a problem. A lot of people are coming in. You know, we have to, we can't just refuse. It's Christmas. We can't refuse. Send people away. Anyway, so we kept it open. There was a little grumbling from the guys. But anyway, they did work and we closed at like 11 o'clock literally after everything was done. And so anyway, I went home and my kids were upset. They were not talking to me and for a little while. And then, then I, and I sat them down the next day before coming to work. I said, see. You know, everybody has their grandparents, grandpa, grandma. You have all of this. There are some people who don't have these people. They're, my daughter understood. She was twelve, I think, at that time, and she did understand. And she said, "Okay, daddy, that's that's okay. I we get it." So whatever little I can do, I try my best. You know, sometimes I I notice some people who are, who struggle with the coins when they are paying up their bill. You know, so I'll I make up an extra meal and I'll kindly I'll I'll tell them you know can I pack up your leftovers they'll say yeah sure please do and then I go and I make another meal and put it in a bag and quietly give to them you know it's a constant tussle between my partner and myself he gets he's the he's he likes to control the food cost and he says you know don't give stuff away for free Uh, so it's it's a constant uh, thing but then he he kind of understands he just tries to give me a hard time you know so he's a good guy And the best thing is, the best thing is he agrees.
2: Yes. Yes. So what is kind of a So After,
1: after a, a doctor, you know, somebody who saves lives, I guess somebody who gives nourishment to somebody is, is kind of a noble profession. You know, it's something we can do. It's just amazing that you know, and he's eleven. He's eleven. What's he doing down? Great American Diner
0: is located at the south end of the junction at forty-seven fifty-two California Avenue. They're open at 7 a.m., seven days a week. They're open until at least 11 o'clock each day, some nights later. And no surprise, they're also open on Thanksgiving. Thanks again to Glenn for making the time. Next, I visited C&P Coffee on a Thursday morning and discovered an energetic group of people writing postcards.
2: Postcards to voters, rights to Democratic candidates um, across the country, uh, mostly candidates for... um, Offices that are um, lower offices. Um, Right now we're actually writing for a vote-by-mail campaign in Florida. And we've been writing county by county throughout the state. Um, When people in Florida sign up for vote-by-mail, they are 47% more likely to vote. Um, and so that's been our focus. We also um, just recently wrote for John Bell Edwards who has a runoff election on November 16th.
0: We're here
1: every Thursday from 10 till noon. There's also a group that meets um, at Bird on the Wire on Wednesday morning, 10 to 11.30. Sometimes they write in the, at the senior center and then there are a couple of groups that meet in private homes, so if, uh, like in the evening, and um, so there are lots of people doing it, and there's a website, postcards2voters.org, or a Facebook page um, that's postcards to voters Here, we've been doing it here about six months, I think. The group started in uh, March of 2017 in Georgia.
2: Voters makes it very easy. Um, you can uh, write postcards at home or while you're traveling. Um, I've done it on the airplane. Um, they have a bot set up, and so you can use the bot on Facebook Messenger or rec- regular texting app. Um, and you text hello, and it responds with which campaigns are available. You tell the bot how many addresses you would like, and then it will send you and a message with an email attachment that gives you the details of the addresses and um, what to write. So it's very easy.
0: The C&P chapter of Postcards to Voters meets 10 to 12 on Thursdays. You can go to postcards postcardstovoters.org for more information. And now it's time to check in with Arts West about their current production, Head Over Heels. I spoke with Director Matthew Wright about what he's excited about.
3: I think the first reason is the score which has music and lyrics by the Go-Go's. And uh, so this is a catalog of songs that uh, everyone knows, even if, like me, you think that you don't know the Go-Go's music. So I, when I went to go see the show on Broadway last year, a friend told me to go see it and said, you ha- absolutely have to see Head Over Heels. And I said, is that the jukebox musical with music by the Go-Go's? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, I don't know anything by the Go-Go's. And he's like, trust me, just go. And then I went to go see the show, and I knew every single song. This actually takes the Go-Go's music and lyrics and incorporates them into the storytelling of the piece. And the story of the piece is really cool and really contemporary um, and has a lot to say about the society that we live in. So it's a piece of theater that's simultaneously entertaining as a jukebox musical with songs by the Go-Go's, but also, I think, really useful as a piece of theater for our time. I think uh, the biggest surprise is, was how big and complicated the show is. So, uh, the book is written in verse, so it reads like a quasi-Shakespearean play. So you have the challenge of a book that's in verse, uh, alongside of really difficult-to-sing arrangements of these gogons music, um, which has been arranged for the theater. So the music is tremendously difficult to sing. And then we have an incredible choreographer named UJ Mangoon, who uh, his style of dance is so specific and unique to who he is. And he has a background in hip hop and a number of other styles. And so his movement is incredibly complicated. Um, so the show as a whole is just, it appears, hopefully when folks come see it, it will appear effortless and simple. I think we have a cast of both veteran Seattle actors and up-and-coming talent. Every single one of them is a fascinating and uniquely talented individual. So, you know, it's one thing to have this incredible material, and then you add on to that the style of the production and the choreography. Um, but then when you set that on actors um, that can take the kind of control of it that these actors are, are doing, then it becomes really, really incredible. We open on Thursday, November 21st. The show runs through December 29th, and performances are Thursday through Saturday nights at 7.30, and then Sundays at 3 p.m. And folks can get tickets at artswest.org.
0: Thank you, Matthew. That's all for this episode of Podcast West Seattle. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, tell a friend, give us a rating or a review. Until next time... Here's more music from Stetson.